0: or if maybe you want to, and that just stirred something in you, hit me up, DM me on Twitter at jmartzone. Would love to have that conversation with you. So, in case you didn't know about it, this happened yesterday.
1: Here it is. Woods has two feet to win the Masters. Everyone quiets down. Tiger, back behind the ball. Woods, puts it. And in, in! He has done it! Tiger is back! on top tiger woods the 2019 masters champion one of the great comeback stories in american sports history masters number five major number 15 and augusta national roars like never
0: before that wasn't just augusta that was the country that was the world. That was Westwood One as well. Mike Tarico on the radio call. You heard it right here yesterday on 104.5 The Zone. want to just go ahead and give kudos to my great friend, my brother in Christ, David Reed, who put together that just exceptional about nine-minute piece that you heard to end 3HL on Tiger Woods. And the, and the reason that it meant so much to me was because of all the failures that were shown before we got to that audio of Jim Nance calling it for CBS. And then, of course, I let you hear Mike Tirico here. So I want to talk tonight about Tiger Woods, obviously. But I woke up with something on my mind and on my heart that, look, sometimes you just want to analyze a sporting event. And you want to talk about why this happened or why that happened or why this pass made it into the end zone or why this was intercepted or why this was the wrong play call or why the coach blew this or whatever it might be or why J.R. Smith called the timeout when he didn't need to or didn't call it. And the Cavs end up losing game one to the Warriors last year. But truthfully, there are other times where something about the response to that sporting event actually means more than the event itself. And as a result, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right off the top, what I'm about to say might actually tick you off. It might upset you. It might actually make you wish at first that your kids weren't in the car to hear it. Because unless you stick with me to the end of it, The early part of this message is going to sound really pessimistic and it's going to sound really cynical. I promise you that's not the intent. If you bear with me here, by the end of this segment or if I have to go into the next one, I may just go long. I think you'll have a different opinion. I feel confident that I can land this plane. So here we go. There's a scene at the end of Back to the Future, which along with The Dark Knight, those are my two favorite films of all time. After Marty McFly returns to the present, After he goes through 1955 and he helps change the fortunes of his father, George, his dad is a published author in the new version of 1985 that you see at the end of that movie. Biff Tannen brings a box to the McFly house. It's got all these first edition copies of his father's book. His first book, a sci-fi novel that was largely actually inspired by his son popping up in 1955 in a crazy suit, though he never knew it was his son in that moment. And so everybody's super proud of George McFly right here. And George then says a quote that I saw a lot last night and this morning, which leads me to being behind this microphone saying what I'm about to say. George McFly says, it's like I always say, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. So last night, I see reaction to Tiger winning his fifth green jacket. I, re- I reacted it to, to it myself on social media. I talked of Jim Nance. And how within the past six days, that guy has called two of the more unbelievable sports redemption stories in recent memory. With Tiger at Augusta after all he had gone through, which David Reed beautifully put through an audio piece that you absolutely should hear. And then Virginia, 12 months after losing to Maryland-Baltimore County, winning the national championship. Incidentally, a great friend of mine responded to me and asked whether or not Nance could somehow be asked to speak at a pulpit this coming Sunday to call the greatest redemption story in history. And that's a wonderful reminder. And yes, this is undoubtedly the season of redemption. All glory to God. But some of the tiger reaction reflected George McFly's quote, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. My friend, colleague, Clay Travis, used that this morning on his radio program, and he went further, and he talked of how the mind is the most important muscle we have, and it makes anything possible. And this sounds really, really good, folks. It really does. And here's where I'm going to make some eyebrows perk up as you're driving or stuck in traffic or wherever you're listening to me, and thank you. Folks, that feeling, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. It's not just wrong. It's potentially dangerous. And what it leads to is a society of entitled, soon-to-be, uber-depressed people that don't understand why all their hard work hasn't gotten them where they wanted to be. In order to succeed, you've got to manage failure and understand that it's going to be a part of life in some spots. Last week, I discussed in real detail on this show how UVA taught a tremendous lesson because their coach, Tony Bennett wasn't just going to let them excuse away what happened to them. Instead, he said, that's a part of our story. It's a piece of our legacy, but it's not the end of our story. This season is also part of our legacy, and we know how that ended, with the school's first ever national title. But ladies and gentlemen, the reality of life is that hard work guarantees precisely nothing other than maybe a higher success rate. And I just want you to think about this differently. I'm not trying to crush anybody's dreams out there only to make you consider that statement, George McFly's statement, and that if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. I want you to see it in a new way that could change how you look at your life and maybe even how you live it. I could from age five have done nothing but try to throw a football 12 hours a day, working hard putting my mind to it, studying, working out, eating right, and the chances I would end up as an NFL quarterback might be better, but by no means would they be assured. I could study writing. I could sit at home since I was in fourth grade doing nothing but writing essays in free form and creative and whatever else. I still might never be published. Nobody that I don't know personally might ever read a word that I write, even if my stuff was all-time great. Do we think the people that won American Idol are the best singers or the best undiscovered singers in America? Of course not. I could just kill myself in school but be really bad at taking tests and then blow the LSAT, just as one example. And I, maybe I pass the LSAT but not close, so I end up at a subpar law school due to those scores, and then my legal career isn't going to be what it could have been otherwise. I could be the funniest person you've ever met. I could be the funniest person in the world. I could be really good on stage. I could spend all, t- all sorts of time getting better. I could give up almost all my life to try and be noticed, and I might never actually get asked to join Saturday Night Live. Did the Saints work really hard this past year in the NFL? Did the Rams outwork the Saints in practice? Or was there a bad call that led to the Saints not making it to the Super Bowl? They still lost that game circumstance was in the way part of life is that we are all going to fail we're all going to get sick we're all going to deal with loss we're all going to go through incredibly difficult moments and we're going to encounter just disappointment part of life luckily is also we're going to go through a lot of the opposite some things a lot of things are going to be really good for us and hard work might make the percentages better but it's inaccurate It's misleading, and it's the wrong lesson to take from what Tiger Woods did or what UVA did to say that putting your mind to it means you're going to accomplish anything. Circumstances are largely beyond our control, and sometimes, unfortunately, there are very promising people that are born with one hand tied behind their back or wearing handcuffs. Parents that are in tough spots or a one-parent household where nobody is supporting that parent. Maybe it's drugs or it's alcohol or it's gambling or it's pornography. Who knows what it might be? And I used to be the guy that would see somebody on the side of the road struggling, holding up a sign, and I would think to myself, anything I give, that guy's just going to go to his alcohol habit or his drug habit or even worse, go get a job, man. McDonald's is hiring. I don't know what led them to that place. I hate that I used to believe that. I could be right when I think that, but I also might be wrong. And I'm starting to think that life, and I'm starting to learn maybe more so than anything, that life cannot be lived in peace when things are viewed in absolutes. Because Tiger Woods succeeded yesterday not because of his mind alone, if at all. He succeeded because he accepted and he overcame the failures in his personal and professional life. This is the message that I wanted to see last night. Not that if you put your mind to it, you're going to accomplish everything. If there's anything that has made me any more confident or in any way feel more at peace in my life, it's how I've learned to get better at reacting to adversity and reacting to failure. Tiger Woods' comeback story, it's remarkable, and it's inspiring, and it's uplifting, And it's just awesome. But to then take that and extrapolate it to say that putting your mind to something means you will accomplishment or or that you're going to accomplish it, whatever that accomplishment is, it's going to lead you to a tough life that's filled with a whole lot of confusion. And it's also going to lead you down a pathway that tells you that everything you accomplished, you accomplished, which me personally, I have a major problem with. But if you look at UVA's reaction to their failure last year. It was, we own this, it's part of our story, we got beat, we'll get better. Tiger's reaction took a lot more time. This was a guy, folks, literally, that when he returned to Augusta National several years ago, had to deal with an airplane that flew over the course, toting a banner that read, don't cheat on her again. Tiger had become a joke, he was a punchline. Even on Sunday morning on Fox Sports Radio on my show, I made a Perkins joke. And he's my favorite sports personality ever, my favorite athlete ever. Tiger had to get over public shaming. He had to deal with multiple injuries, DUIs, a back that had betrayed him time and time again, rickety knees. And he had to deal with age running smack dab into young guys that were in far better health that now outdrive him and are not afraid of him. He had all the talent. He has once-in-a-lifetime talent. We know this. So him putting his mind to it goes a long, long way. Golf was what he was born to do. To find out what it is that we're born to do, we often have to cross a lot of things that we'd love to do off our list. And hopefully, we have parents or leaders in our lives that are willing to tell us, you know what, this is not your thing. I know you really enjoy it. Now keep on having fun with it. This is probably not going to be for you. Look, I stunk at baseball. I just couldn't hit. And I'm really thankful and grateful that dad never lied to me and told me it wasn't my fault. I love him for always showing me how it was eventually. You know, eventually I just figured out, okay, I'm just not really good at this. So I'm going to go find out what I am good at. My pastor, actually, Brimwood Baptist, Mike Glenn, he he actually had that same idea that you're going to eventually find that thing that you are good at, but you need to have people that are willing to say, that's not your thing, man. Let's move on to something else. I could have swung that bat for 10 more years and probably still never played college baseball, maybe not even high school baseball, or I could put it down except to play wiffle ball with friends or play some fun church softball, and I could start something new in my life that was the right fit. You've heard this many times before. To succeed, you must first learn to fail. But I would tell you this, whether you've got a spiritual life or not, and I pray that you do, or pray that you would, the mind should never be the strongest muscle in your body alone. The heart should be. And it should work in concert with your brain, kind of like a system of checks and balances like the executive, legislative, and judicial branches in government, because both of them individually, can lead you down the wrong path. Life is not, ladies and gentlemen, built on simple solutions. It's multidimensional. It's complex. Your heart can be wrong. Your mind can be corrupted, or it can be broken, or it can be super self-absorbed. It's the balance that is what life really is about. It's knowing where your foundations are, what can't be shaken in times of trouble. And for Tiger Woods... This story of overcoming incredible odds, it's a great one. And it's really important that you and your families believe and have hope and do put their all into everything that they do. Because what's true is that in almost zero occasions can you succeed long-term without hard work. But what was on my heart today waking up was that we are not guaranteed, we're not owed, we're not entitled to anything. We're not entitled to success or a big bank account or a million social media followers or a perfect car, a great job, a beautiful wife, or well-adjusted kids just because we live right, we treat people well, or yes, even just because we work really hard. There's only one trophy, and sometimes you're just not going to win it. There can be only one starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Chances are you're not going to be that guy, even if you're great at what you do no matter how hard you try. That doesn't mean stop trying. It means your expectations, you got to measure them in all directions. Don't allow yourself to get too high or too low because life is going to ebb and flow. And it's how you choose to respond to the greatest triumphs and the most painful, gut-wrenching failings. That's going to help you. And that's going to largely dictate whether you're able to find any level of contentment in your life. And I am not saying don't teach your kids to work hard for what they want or to start loafing yourself. I'm just saying maybe try to understand that even the best Major League Baseball hitters fail six or seven out of ten times at the plate. And if your identity or your happiness or your expectations are based in batting a thousand You're going to be more than unsatisfied. You're going to be miserable. But if you can find a way to take that 300 or that 400 average and still have your mind set properly, you're going to be okay. In fact, if you'll allow me one final thing, the quote, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. One word there can be your out if you read it carefully enough. Never allow yourself, never allow yourself to replace the word can with will. You can potentially accomplish most things, not anything, but most things with hard work. Not hard work alone, but hard work's going to help. But it's really important, I think, to know that you sometimes will not. However, there is, as I've come to learn and try to live, one thing, just one, at least in my life, that you can put your mind on that whether or not you accomplish what you believe you want or not, As long as your mind is focused on that one thing, with that one thing in mind and heart, you will accomplish everything that matters. Just a little bit of food for thought. Back in a moment with more on Tiger Woods here on The Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back to The Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Well, Japan droids for you here on a Monday, near to the wild heart of life, bringing us back. Ryan Mudd is my producer. He's behind the glass, spinning the dials radio style for me. Also taking your phone calls at 615-737-1045, 737-1045. You can tweet me at jmartzone. Some of you already are. Kind of a lengthy open there. I decided just to go long and finish my thought. Yeah, there's a little bit more Japan droids popped up there for a second. Ryan laughing over there. I know we've got one call. We'll take that here in just a second. By the way, we're brought to you by Renters Warehouse dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate, renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse, the Rent Estate Company. So I've got more thoughts on Tiger Woods, but let's hear a little bit from Tiger Woods, then I'll take a phone call, and then I'll continue to talk about this. First, obviously back in 1997 when he won his first green jacket, there was the famous hug with his father, Earl Woods, and he was asked after the round about that time and what it was like sort of, passing the baton in his own way to his children yesterday with the embrace after 18 let's listen to tiger after the win it's crazy how life just evolves and you know goes on You know, 97 meant my dad wasn't really supposed to be there, Um, wasn't supposed to travel, but he came. Gave me a little putting tip on Wednesday night and ended up making everything that week. Yesterday, Sam had a a soccer game for uh, States and they didn't make it to the final, so I asked him if they wanted to come up and kind of had to talk him into it. And uh, they both came up and next thing you know, um, their dad's a master's champion. And Tiger, where do you rank a win like this after how far he's come? He hasn't won a major since 2008 at Torrey Pines until yesterday. Many people believed it would never happen again. Look, I'm on record as saying that a few years ago. I said I would never have hoped to be more wrong about anything in sports. I couldn't wait to see Tiger win again. I was so happy to say, yes, I was wrong. He's my favorite sports athlete, sports personality of all time. And I was elated. To be wrong yesterday, but here's—he was asked about ranking the win. Here's what he said:
1: How do you rank this one, Tiger, of all the <laughs> tremendous and great accomplishments? Uh, this will would one? be up there. It's one of the hardest I think I've, I've ever
0: had the win, just because of what has transpired the last couple of years of trying to get come back and play. And I was close last year a couple of times with the chance in the last two major championships, and then i applied what I learned from those two and was able to seal the deal today. He was indeed. He was one stroke better than a lot of those guys that all it took was one of them that would have been able to beat him. I picked Kepka. I thought Kepka would be there, and Kepka played well. So did Tiger. And this was just one of those moments in sports that we will never, ever forget. Let's take a phone call here. John is on a cell phone. He waited through the break. Let's uh, see what he has to say. John, what say you tonight?
1: Hey, brother. uh, First of all, blessings and strength, all my blessings and all our blessings and strength comes from one person. And you know what that is. Amen. You know, it's just so awesome to hear a celebrity voice. I do call you a celebrity on the radio. There's about two of you on the 104.5 that I really have high regard in your ethics. And uh, you're just to be commended, Jaymar, for that. Thank you for uh, that, man. I appreciate it. that really concerns me, you know, you said that Tiger was one of your favorite athletes of all time. You know he's an incredible athlete. I will give you that. The thing that really concerns me of all the things that uh, valleys that he's had to go through, um, I hope he remembers those while he's up at top, almost to the pinnacle again. Because um, the thing that I really, really believe in, you know, uh, it, you know, I strive for perfection. But I settle for excellence, and because in the Bible it says, you know, if you if you strive for perfection, you will fail, and uh, and I hope that his attitude, that uh, you know, that cockiness with the fans, who stuck through all of this and all of his personal issues, that you know, he comes back through and and remembers the valleys. He'll never forget the highs, but I hope it just gives him that strength uh to be a better person and again buddy uh you're an awesome guy and you know i'm old enough to be your father maybe your grandfather but uh but i really appreciate what you do for this uh radio media
0: thank you john i really appreciate it god bless you look we don't know these guys we don't know these gals when we think we do we find out that what's behind the big smiles is often not that great and some of the people that we don't necessarily assume are that great guys turn out to be the opposite I don't know which one Tiger Woods is. I've always loved watching him. You have to be able to separate in some ways. Like there are very few guys out there that that seem to have it all, kind of behind them properly. Like uh, I mean, Nance is a is a pretty strong guy when it comes to uh, all sides of him as a broadcaster. And James Brown is another example of a guy like that. Chris Pratt seems to have that gene in him. Tiger Woods struggled big time. The one thing that I think that we can all agree upon is that we learn a whole lot more in the valleys than we do on the mountaintops. About ourselves, certainly in my case about my faith, but about everything. We also learn about how reactions to us are going to flow and about who we can trust in times of struggle. What is it, the famous Will Smith quote that says, if you're not with me during my struggle, don't expect to be with me during my success. Who you surround yourself with often has a lot to do with it as well. Tiger Woods overcame a lot. He overcame a ton of adversity and shame, and he made so many mistakes. And I don't know whether or not he's become a better person as a result of that. I don't have a... There's no real frame of reference for that. I hope that he has, and I hope that that's true for everybody out there. I don't think anybody is rooting for failure. I don't think anybody is rooting for falls from grace. This country is incredibly forgiving. We love a redemption story. We love seeing somebody come back from unthinkable odds. We've, I mean, Oscars have been won because of that. Emmys have been won. They're the best stories we can find. They look like they were, they look like we're actually watching something that was already written take place in front of us, like it was already put in a book somewhere. And now here's the movie and it's actually taking place in front of us. This Tiger Woods story, the UVA story just two that have happened within this past couple of weeks, and they're not the only ones. When I come back, I'll mention another one that happened last week as well, a week ago yesterday, as a matter of fact, that I also commented on a couple of days after it happened. It was an awesome story of redemption. And next, even though you know I said some things there in the first segment you might have taken as negative, hopefully you didn't. Hopefully I was able to get a, get my message across there in the end. But when I come back, I want to tell you about the other thing that came to mind when I was thinking about Tiger Woods, and that's unity. And we talk about that next here on The Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Spoon! Don't make me a target. Welcome back, Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. I'm going to give you some documentary information coming up in the final segment, something I think you should check out as part of my pro and con segment. But there's another thing that I felt yesterday as Tiger shared that moment with his sons after he shared so many moments with us culminating on 18. And uh, I think it was that we're just able to unite behind this one person's performance and just cheer in unison and just celebrate right along with him as he overcomes age and and, and health and all this other stuff and it's a lengthy dry spell dating back 11 years to reach this summit of the mountain again. And we love sports for so many reasons. But one of them has to be the unity that we feel as a group. And then sometimes that unity is small or sometimes it's global like yesterday when events like that transpire. Think about how many of your friendships have either started or been enhanced at least through your shared love of the Tennessee Vols or the Vanderbilt Commodores or the Tennessee Titans or the Nashville Predators or whomever else it might be. So many of my closest friends graduated with me at Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers. We share that with each other. We can come together after not seeing each other for a couple of years and still connect around WKU sports. Now, sports, it's not a prerequisite for friendships and relationships, but it definitely doesn't hurt. And I did a show back in the fall where I took the whole hour and I just talked to all of you. I took a lot of your phone calls about why you love sports. You'll remember this. And I asked for memories of moments to hook you Memories you'll never forget. Maybe your dad taking you to a ball game or your mom buying you some equipment or watching some famous event as a family or with close friends, whatever it might be in that juncture. And just earlier on 3HL, I heard my pal Brent Doherty say that he made his kids watch the end of the Masters yesterday with him, even though they wanted to be outside because he knew how important it was, even if they probably didn't yet. It's the kind of experience that a father like Brent wants to have with his sons. And it's the kind of experience that those sons are hopefully going to remember down the line. So relatively speaking on Sunday, Tiger's finishing that minus 14, one stroke better than everybody else. We all come together and we just blow up social media. There's exclamation points and our version of yes. And I use Tony Tiger or Tony, the tiger from frosted flakes in my response. This was a feel good moment because this guy means so much to his sport. Single most must see personality of the century so far in sports. His sport is almost invisible in his absence to much of the American population. Somebody was arguing me on Fox Sports Radio Sunday morning on my show that nobody cared about Tiger. Nobody would be talking about him. Nobody was going to watch. I had a couple of tweets come in said Tiger was old news. I needed to move on. And I remarked and said it was going to be the thing alongside Game of Thrones that people were going to be discussing on Sunday afternoon and all day on Monday, even if he lost. And it's all we're talking about because it transcended golf It transcended sports and yes, it spoke to redemption and it backed up that larger point I had on Tuesday, which was your station in life today, where you find yourself as far away from who or what you want to be as you might be. That circumstance is temporary. It potentially will have nothing to do with where you are a year from now, five years from now, a decade from now. What you learn from it and how you respond to it, good or bad, is the key not wallowing in it or assuming you've got no shot because anything can happen. Kofi Kingston was on the mid-card in WWE for basically nine years before he found something special in a partnership with his two close friends. They became the New Day, a trio, and then after that gimmick got over, just two weeks ago at WrestleMania 35, he won the WWE Championship. In the process, he became the first African-born black champion in company history. It took him 11 years On that roster. And by no means was that guaranteed, even if he had a 30 year career. But that one example shows how things change. So did UVA. And yes, without question, so did Tiger Woods this weekend. It's real cool to be inside an arena wearing the same color or the same emblem or the same logo as a bunch of other people, like minded behind some team, feeling like you're part of something bigger. And you've got the emotions and the investment is just permeating throughout this building or this stadium, and then you're not just a spectator. You're part of a larger experience. Yesterday at Augusta, Chad Withrow I'm super envious of because he's there on the course. I want to be there so badly. Or all of us that are watching at home with our family, our friends, or we've just got a beverage in hand, we were all basically wearing red polos and black Nike hats and black slacks, and we all did that fist pound right alongside our buddy Eldrick because it was phenomenal. It's sports at its best. Sports made us and makes us often forget about everything else for a few just brief seconds and simply celebrate something extraordinary. I love that I get to talk about this stuff for a living. I truly do. And I'm so thankful and blessed that you want to listen to me. And we're all thankful for moments like that one yesterday. Tiger Woods gave us a snapshot in time on 18 at Augusta that we will never, ever forget. And so I thank Tiger Woods for that. And I'm so happy to have been wrong in saying that he would never again win a major. Go get Jack, buddy. Go get him. We'll be right back. Pro and con. Big 6, 104.5 The Zone. Final segment tonight. Big 6, 104.5 The Zone. The war on drugs under the pressure. Tiger was under the pressure. Got it done. Fifth green jacket. Awesome. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone, 615-737-1045. Pro and con, both on the same subject, documentaries. And Friday night, I I watched and I finished watching some docs. First was the four-part series on Adnan Syed from Amy Berg. It had just run on HBO for the past month. It was four Sundays in a row. Built on the case you probably already know of of Adnan going to jail after being convicted for murdering Heyman Lee, his high school girlfriend, back in Baltimore in 1999. Serial, the podcast, that was its first season for This American Life, Sarah Koenig, NPR Chicago. To date, it's been downloaded more than 175 million times. And I'll talk about that one again here in just a little bit. The other one, though, is my pro. It was an Alex Gibney documentary. And that immediately interested me before I ever even knew what the subject was. It was something I hadn't even heard of, actually. But it it was amazing once I started watching it. But Gibney's probably my favorite doc director. He did Going Clear off the Lawrence Wright book. He did Steve Jobs, The Man of the Machine, which is excellent if you haven't seen it. Did one on the Catholic Church late in the aughts. Also directed one of, I think, one of the best 30 for 30s. One of, by far, the most underrated 30 for 30s, Catching Hell, about Steve Bartman. And that whole situation in Chicago, highly recommend that. Did one on Jack Abramoff and Washington lobbyists. He's done a lot. I love his stuff, even though sometimes he's on a different side of an issue from me. This new one, though, is called uh, The Inventor. Out for blood in Silicon Valley. And it's it ran on HBO back in March, towards the end of March. And I hadn't gotten around to seeing it, but you can get it on demand now. It's about a woman that maybe you've heard of. If you haven't, you're probably about to. Her name is Elizabeth Holmes. She idolized Steve Jobs. She drops out of Stanford to open up this startup medical company called Theranos that was specializing in blood testing, making it so that like a finger prick could get 200 different tests done. No longer would you need tubes of blood and files of blood and all that painful blood work ever again. And you could actually schedule, do your own tests outside of physician care, and it was going to simplify and make this process a whole lot cheaper. And there were Walgreens that bought into it like in Arizona and places like that, they started putting Theranos self-testing stations in there. And so her company quickly attracts all these investors, including a guy that was the first Uber investor. He invested in Oracle. He's one of the earliest investors in Google. He was smart to these kinds of things. And this thing had all sorts of clout. Holmes is close with the Obama administration. She's speaking alongside Bill Clinton. She's on the front of Fortune magazine. She has a major profile done on her inside the New Yorker. It, she's doing all this stuff, and Theranos, within almost no time, goes from nothing to an over $10 billion valuation. And now, today, it's worth negative money, and Elizabeth Holmes and one of her partners are set to go to trial for fraud and negligence and some other charges, because Theranos was too good to be true. Is a good idea that wasn't actually possible, but she couldn't accept that. Her pride got in the way, so then she starts telling lies on top of lies, and having people threatened in order to keep it alive, even at patient and consumer risk, up to and including death. I I think you should make time to watch this, folks. Just a few days ago, actually, it was Wednesday, it was revealed, and I didn't know this until the day after I watched it, Kate McKinnon has signed on to play Elizabeth Holmes in a Hulu series about her life and Theranos' Rise and Fall, and it's based on a popular podcast series called The Dropout, which I also think you should check out. Also, Adam McKay of The Big Short, of Vice, of Hankerman and things that he used to do as well. Big Short's my favorite movie of the decade, best movie of the decade to me. He's directing a film about Holmes based on a book. And Jennifer Lawrence is going to play Elizabeth Holmes in that film. And now you've got uh, Alex Gibney's doc, The Inventor, which I'm telling you, it's really good. It's interesting. It's two hours that are absolutely worth your time. So there is a pro. That's something I like a lot. Something that's fascinating that you might not know a whole lot about. And you should check it out now because you're about to be asked and you're about to be inundated with Elizabeth Holmes' information. So you should just go ahead and get in front of it and know the story. It's definitely it's fascinating to say the least. So that's my pro. Now something I don't like as much. Documentary is a little bit problematic because so many people watch them as gospel when they're not. The case versus Adnan Syed, which I referenced at the top of this, It leads you to believe that he didn't do it. But as I listened to all 12 hours of serial when they released four years ago and loved it and was just addicted to it like a lot of you were, I get to the end and I'm hoping to believe he's innocent. But once I turn it off, I I think, he probably did it. Because there wasn't another plausible explanation as to what else could happen and why. So this documentary, four hours over four episodes, The Case versus Adnan Syed that just ran on HBO. It definitely tries to win Adnan and his family's sympathy. And it does give you more reason to suspect others, but it can't ever explain why those people would have done it or even put together a timeline that would make any of it possible. It's not that great a documentary, honestly. I I was disappointed, but that's just the first point. The second point is this. It led me to remember to mention today that you always need to watch documentaries with a sense of who is behind the camera, not just what's unfolding on screen. What are their biases? What are their agendas? Why did they do this documentary in the first place? Because there is a reason. Amy Berg's seems obvious here. And I wish and I hope she's right. I hope Adnan didn't do it and they can get him out of jail. And if you look back to making a murderer in the first season in particular, there was zero evidence presented that anybody else did it. But the filmmakers who were two college girls that were behind the project They were 100% trying to get Stephen Avery free, and they were vilifying anybody on the other side without giving them any benefit of the doubt or really even tried to talk to a lot of them. Back to Inside Job, which I loved, and it was on the mortgage crash. I mean, Matt Damon narrated that thing. It was done by a major left-wing group, and it went after capitalism. I still love it, but it was better for me to know going in it was biased. It actually was less biased than I thought after I watched it. Then on the other side, Dinesh D'Souza does really intriguing work for conservatives. He's done films on Hillary, on Obama, among others. But he's far right. It's important to know that going in. What I don't like is that documentaries are not always transparent in their motivations. And I hate the fact that people sit there and rely on them as if they're all facts without any kind of slant present when it's beyond obvious that there is a slant. There's a slant inherent in virtually every single documentary. Why else would it be made if not these things are not just news reports, they're not just there to inform. Simply recognizing and knowing in your brain that there's a side you're not seeing, that's all I would suggest trying to keep in mind when you're watching these things. And sometimes it can be really, really hard. Because you're watching it and you get inflamed, and you're just like, man, that's gotta change. I'm glad this documentary has pointed this out. And I fall prey to it over and over again. But I have to then remind myself, maybe I should do some research and just read on the other side just to see what not getting from this two hours or even from this four hours in the case of the Adnan Syed series or the 10 hours of making a murderer. And the second season of making a murderer when they brought in the new defense attorney and she had alternate theories for the crime, that was much more effective. And it felt a lot less biased because at least we heard we heard her theory and it made sense and there were facts to back it up. The first season was just Stephen Avery. You should feel sorry for him, but we have, n- we're not going to lay out any kind of alternate theory for this crime at all. And so I got to the end of it and said, Stephen Avery did this. Brendan Dassey might not have been involved, but Stephen Avery did this. Now you can make me believe the opposite, but I, you know, that's the thing. Like the, the Syed documentary was not great, even though the, the stuff they put uh, about Jay Wilds his sort of friend and Alonzo Sellers, the one who discovered the body, that stuff was really interesting, and there was some new info there that I had not heard. But I also know, going in, what Amy Berg is trying to do. Probably my favorite documentaries ever, or at least for a long time, were the Paradise Lost trilogy about the West Memphis Three. And I knew what they were trying to do as well. I happened to agree with them, but I read about it afterwards to sort of see whether or not there was something I was missing there. I still agree with them. And I'm glad Damian Eccles took the offer plea and got out. But there was a side to it. These are not, like I said, these are not news reports. These are opinions that are made for the screen. And what I really hate is that there is a reality that many people don't realize that. And it's the same thing almost. It's not quite as bad, but it's like going on Twitter and reading a headline, but not actually reading the article and then acting like you know what's going on or getting mad about the, the headline when the article was either out of context, or incomplete, or paints a completely different portrait. You can really make yourself look stupid or get upset about things that absolutely are not true when you don't actually read into it. You've got to give these things time. And like I said, I used to be super guilty of this stuff too, because it is beyond easy to get influenced into buying everything that you see as legit without researching or just giving the other side the benefit of the doubt. And with all that said, this Elizabeth Holmes documentary, The Inventor, that I suggested you watch as my pro, that's an incredible story. And again, a Hulu documentary with Kate McKinnon, an Adam McKay-directed film based on a screenplay from the guy who wrote The Shape of Water with Jennifer Lawrence playing Elizabeth Holmes. Check out The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley on HBO, as soon as you can. Coming up next here on The Zone is Fast Talk. Martin Truex with a big win yesterday. Surely talking about all that, I'm sure. I've got shows every day this week and none next week because of the NFL draft. So I will talk to you tomorrow. We will recap Preds. Stars game three. Go Preds. Puck drop around 830 tonight. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. God bless and good night.